Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. But is anybody else grateful to be in the house of God tonight? Man, we preached about it last week, but where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I share that same joy around the service that Scott was talking about earlier during prayer and praise. I just felt like worship was absolutely off the charts tonight. Tonight has been so good, and I really hate to have to follow that up. I'm nervous. Come on. It's going to be a good night, though. But yeah, tonight we are kicking off a brand new series called Entertainer, and I'm sure by the graphic, you're like, oh, it's going to be an Easter uh, service and an Easter theory and all these things. And yes, it has a lot to do with Easter, um, but really Entertainer is a series that I felt personally led to, to preach on and to pour into you guys with. And I know we got my man Dave preaching in a couple weeks in the back. Dave's going to be bringing that hot word. Oh, man. Call him DV, short for David Vine, but he's the man we love. Come on. We're having a good time. Having a good time. But entertainer because there are so many things that honestly all year long in 2019 our culture our world politics all these things there are so many things that are vying for our attention vying for our conversation that want to be in our mind and in our mind space and they want to engage us in a conversation and they want us to entertain thoughts ideas and notions that no Jesus follower no Christian no son or daughter of the most high God should be entertaining and engaging in and honestly it's all going to lead up to Easter Sunday because there is one thing that is worth entertaining. There was one conversation that is worth engaging in and that's how good our God is. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the reconciliation of all things back onto him and that's Easter Sunday, baby. Does that sound good? Yeah. Entertain us. Here we are now. But man, I'm really... What? Somebody got the Nirvana reference? It's fine. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm here all week. Uh, but yeah, we're really excited about this series. I'm really excited about Dave, and he and I have been talking about the message he's going to preach, and I'm really excited for that word, and I hate to go before him too. It'd be awesome to follow that up, because it's going to be a wave of momentum, but Dave is going to bring it. It's going to be awesome, but tonight, if you're taking notes, where are my note takers at? I'm here, I'm here. Like six of us. I'm kidding. There's more. But if you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is this. You ready? Entertainer, week one, patterns and rhythms. Patterns and rhythms. Don't worry, it'll make sense in a minute here. Man, I feel like preaching tonight. Y'all good? Y'all ready? All right. Y'all ready for the word? Fantastic. We're coming out of Romans 12, 2. Matt, that's really short. I promise it'll make sense, and I got more scripture coming your way. Hold up. It's going to be up on the big screen. Whoa. Big screen problems. I love it. That's all good. There it is. Ready for this? All right, take notes, Romans 12, 2. I'm coming out of the ESV tonight. Um, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's so short and it's so sweet. I'm going to read it just one more time. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Come on, is anybody else ready to dig into that tonight? And we're going to pray, we're going to believe God for great things, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do His thing, and we're going to believe for walls to fall off some people tonight. Does that sound good? Yeah. 
Jesus, I just thank you so much for tonight. God, I love that worship set. I love Tremble. I love resurrecting God. We just love everything that you're doing. Jesus, we're actually a church that believes spirit break out. So whenever you want to do it, God, have your way in this place. So we just thank you for everything you've already begun, everything you're about to do in and through this house, Jesus. We just thank you right now that, Holy Spirit, you do truly have the reins, God. Whether it's in kids' ministry, kids' church back there, or in this auditorium right now, God, you have the reins. You have the control. And we ask that you would just begin to open up hearts, God. You would open up ears and you open up eyes to receive your word tonight because we believe your ways are higher, they are better, and they are greater than ours. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. Come on. So here it is. Entertainer, week one. So here is Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. Anybody know who Apostle Paul is? Where are my scholars at? Who can tell me what Paul's name was before it was Paul? Saul. Saul. I love it. We love Paul here. We preach on him a lot. But I'm glad you know that that saves me some time to get in the backstory. And honestly, I kind of feel like preaching because this is a message that's near and dear to my heart, as they all are, obviously. But this is something tonight that uh, I'm probably going to struggle with a little bit. So give me some patience, have some grace with me, and uh, we're going to believe for God for big things. But here's Paul, and he kind of just puts the entire church on notice. You see, he's been writing to Galatians, he's been writing to the church of Corinth, he's been writing to the church in Ephesus, he's doing all these things, and he is writing and he's leading these churches. He is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to church leaders of all kinds, and let them know this is what the church does. You see, I, how I look at it is this, is I look at... Uh, the four books of the gospel, I look at that as like the salvation story, right? This is what Jesus came to do, what he came to establish. And then we got all the writings of Paul, and it's him kind of setting up the church. He's setting up how the church should be. He's tearing down what the church should not be. And he is really building this beautiful image of the bride, okay? And then we got the book of Revelations, which is Jesus coming back. He's got a tattoo and a sword. It's going to be awesome. You don't want none with that Jesus, okay? It's going to be good. But he's good. He's fantastic, and we love him. But that's kind of how I see the, the New Testament set up. And so here's Paul, and he is writing to this church, and he is saying, guys, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And you know, what I, you know what's funny? And it kind of just sticks out to me in Scripture. Paul says, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed. He's not saying, do not conform. He's saying, don't be conformed. He is saying, there's another translation that actually says, which is why patterns and rhythms comes along. He says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say conform. He says, do not be conformed, which implies that there is another thing. There's another entity. There's another uh, idea. There's another notion. There's an enemy. There is somebody out there who's looking to deceive, that's looking to defile, that's looking to lie and bring you down and swindle you into conforming into something else. He's not saying you yourself don't conform, but don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Does that make sense? Yeah. So right out the gate, he is letting us know there is a conversation happening around you. There is culture going on around you. There is a world in which you live in that is going to be vying for your attention, that wants to tell you things contrary to the ways of Christ, that is going to want you to chase after things in this world, to entertain conversations that a Jesus follower, a son, and a daughter. Do I have any daughters of God in the house tonight? Do I have any sons in the house of God tonight? How about we make it better? Do we have children of God in the house tonight? Yeah. And I do not 
will never make the mistake of believing every single person in here is, is currently following Jesus, but there's a reason that we're excited. There's a reason that we get behind Jesus. This is not an older generation's church. This is a generation that is chasing after God with everything that we have because we believe what his word says is true and that he is good as he says he is. Amen? So we're going to get loud. Feel free to talk back if you're new with us tonight. Just engage in this. This is far more a dialogue than it is a monologue. Does that sound good? Yeah. So here's Paul, and he's saying, hey, you live in a world, there are things going around you. If you read any part of the book of Romans, you know he gets pretty for real all throughout it. There is no fluff with Paul ever. He just says, hey, this is happening. Hey, this isn't godly. Hey, you got to knock it off. Hey, turn and repent. It's all good. Wash clean. Slate's clean. Just go forward pursuing Christ. And Paul's awesome for that. He pulls zero punches. And so for you and for me, he's telling us the same thing tonight. He is saying to you and I, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And for a lot of Christians tonight, and for a lot of churches, and for a lot of people in this world, if we look around, if we turn on the news, if you go on Twitter, if you go on Instagram, if you go on Facebook, chances are you got somebody who's sharing some post, who's sharing some idea, who's sharing some ideal, who's sharing whatever it is. And there's a million different thoughts, and there's a million different ideas, and there's a million different things out there, and avenues of belief, and whatever it may be. And Paul is urging the church right now. He is saying, there are going to be patterns in your world in which you exist. There are going to be things that happen in your city, in your life, and the people around you that you cannot conform to. That you cannot allow yourself as a son and a daughter of the Most High God who believes Jesus Christ is who he says he is and can do what he says he's going to do. You cannot allow yourself to conform to those patterns. He is saying, you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I wonder tonight, is there any Christian in this place tonight that would rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that would rather chase after God with everything he has instead of being conformed to the patterns of this world. Because I wonder what that church would look like. I wonder what our lives would look like. I wonder what our calls would look like. I wonder what our marriages would look like. I wonder what our single seasons would look like. I wonder how our relationships would look like. I wonder what the division of the world would look like. If there were some Christians that would say, you know what, I'm not going to conform to the ways of this world. I'm not going to conform to culture. I'm not going to engage in that conversation. Instead, I am going to press in and follow Jesus with every single nth of my degree. If every single part of my body, every fiber of my being, I'm going to chase after Jesus. Because friends, I got to tell you, there's so much more in God than there is in culture. There is so much more in God than there is in the world. Man, it's a pretty, it's pretty for real, man. You're just throwing the whole world away. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not throwing the whole world away. I'm saying, can I preview Easter for you guys right now? Jesus Christ came, died on a cross for you and for me to change the entire way this world works, to change the way that it spins, to change the way that it operates. He came to set things right with God, to make us righteous with God, to reconcile. His word actually says to reconcile all things because we live in a fallen, broken world. The weather is broken. The people are broken. The emotions are broken. The feelings are broken. All of it is broken. And he says, I have come to reconcile all things. And the thing is this, can I just tell you this too? Jesus Christ, he's amazing. But for some of us tonight, we actually think that Christ is Jesus' last name. And I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Jesus is his name. Christ is what he is. 
Christ is the Redeemer. Christ is the Messiah. Christ is the Lamb of God, the perfect gift, the reconciler of all things, the one who is and is to come. That is Christ. That is what he is. Christ is his position and his title. His blood was shed for you and I. Christ is who he is and Christ is what you and I have been adopted into. You and I have been adopted into Christship. Adopted into sonship. Our Bible actually says that he is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is who our God is. And so for Christians tonight, how can we be Christians living with our minds and our lives conformed to the patterns of this world while our spirits have been transformed by the living God? How can we exist in this world, in this duality, where we allow our minds to still operate the way they had, our lives to still look the way they did, our feelings to still run us and drive us and, and make all of our decisions for us, when Jesus is saying it through Paul tonight, that you and I have got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind because he has already given us his spirit. But just because he's given us spirit doesn't mean that our mind is working correctly. Just because he's given us our spirit doesn't mean our lives look correct. Not everything, if you started following Jesus for any length of time, like myself, you would know that not everything has come together right away. It takes time. It takes a process. It takes the renewing of your mind. It takes being transformed by the word of God, being in the church with brothers and sisters who are like-minded, who are further along with you, and watching how they do life and asking questions about why they do things the way they do and seeing them further along in the journey and going, that's where I want to be because that's like Jesus. That's what it looks like. And so Paul is saying to you and to me tonight, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm just going to say, is there anybody in here tonight? Is there anybody in here tonight that you would rather stay caught up in the patterns of this world instead of caught up in the rhythms of grace? I want to be caught up in the rhythms of grace. I want to be caught up because grace is what changes my soul. Grace is what mends the inside of me. Grace is what brings all of these things in my life that are falling apart, brings it right back together. Grace is the thing that heals me on the inside out. Amen? I don't want to be caught up in the patterns of this world. I want to be drowning in rhythms of grace. I want to be drowning in the rhythms of grace. I would believe for you and me tonight that there's probably not a Christian in here that would rather say that they want to conform to the patterns of this world instead of the rhythms of Christ. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to be a husband. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a father one day that is transformed by the renewing of my mind and not caught up in the patterns of my old ways. Because my old ways didn't work. My old ways never could. My best days were still my worst days outside of Christ. Come on. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We together collectively, that's why we're in church tonight. We need Jesus. Come on. And so there's these things in our lives that want to entertain and they want us to engage in some conversations. And it's my encouragement and it is my challenge tonight that if it is outside of Christ's good and perfect will for your lives, it is not worth entertaining the conversation. I'm not saying that when somebody believes differently than you, that we don't have a conversation about it, that we don't talk about it. I am saying, however, that you don't freaking Bible beat them over the head with your beliefs. You just love them where they are. And if they want to engage in that conversation with you, then come on, we can have that conversation. But we don't force it upon them. Does that sound good? Can we build some relationships without forcing our Christ upon them? Can we just be the light in the world instead of having to force it on them and shine it on them? Can we just be and have that conversation when they're ready for it or when we see there's an opening to have that conversation? We have an opening to be bold in our faith? Come on, it's not in my notes, but it's good. 
I don't want to be a Christian that has a task of being a Christian but still stuck in the patterns of this world. So when we're talking about being an entertainer and we're talking about this conversation, about three weeks ago, I was by myself and it's been really hard. It's been a hard three weeks. It's been a really hard month. It's been a really hard uh, three or four weeks now. And and I've seen and I've felt and this is not to demean anybody. Uh, so please don't take it that way. This is just our personal story and our personal uh, situation in which we're dealing with. We've had people leave and we've had people gossip and lie and say things and it's one thing to say it about me. It's one thing to, to say it about Matt McClure, one of the lead pastors of Takeover Church. It's one thing to say it about me. It's another thing to say things about my wife. And to watch her and to be with her week in and week out and day in and day out and to watch her struggle not that I don't. I do. But I can't help that situation. I can comfort that situation, but I cannot help that situation. I cannot change what people are saying. I cannot change what lies are being spread. I cannot change what people have abandoned her and left her. I cannot change that situation. Because I'm not those people. And so I was having a really hard day and it had been a hard three weeks or a couple weeks at that point of, of our lives significantly changing. And I found myself alone and I like to listen to podcasts and I had my headphones in. And, and all of a sudden I just, I heard this voice. And the voice was, oh, why don't you just kill yourself? And friends, I'm not a person who's ever struggle with mental illness or depression, a pretty high octane individual and I don't really have low moments and so this was new for me. This was a new voice. This was a new experience that I was having and I heard this moment, there's this voice that said, why don't you just kill yourself? And I knew in that moment I was like, that's not my thought. That's not my voice. That's not my father's voice because the Bible says my sheep will know my voice and that's not how God talks to me. He would never say that. I know that's not what his word says is best for my life. I know that's not a conversation he and I have ever engaged in nor will ever engage. I'm like, where'd this voice come from? And I'm just trying to shake it off and a couple minutes go by and the voice comes back. Is that, why don't you just kill yourself? And I said back to that voice, I said, that's not my thought. I said, devil, get behind me. And he goes, no, 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 no. Why don't you just kill yourself? Hear me out. If you kill yourself, then all those people who have abandoned you, talked about you, gossiped about you, lied about you, doesn't mean they'll come back, but it does mean they won't be saying things about your wife. They won't be dragging her name through the mud. They won't be saying things about her. You won't have this problem to take care of anymore because the sympathy card will be there because she was married to a man who took his own life. And this was a very honest and real conversation that took place and played out inside my head. And I sat there for 30 minutes and I entertained this thought. 
I engaged in this conversation. You can say because I was saying to the devil at the time, devil, get behind me. Those are not my thoughts. That's not what my God says. That's not what my word says. But see, I entertained that conversation. I engaged in that notion, that idea for 30 minutes before I threw the devil out and back to hell where he belongs. Because I had a conversation with him, shouting back at him, going, that's not my thought. Get out of my head. What are you doing? And he just kept coming back. In my life, I've never once had that thought. I've never once struggled with that. And that doesn't make me better than you. It makes me understand and have empathy a little bit more for those of us who do struggle with these things. Absolutely. But I had a moment where I entertained the conversation with the devil for 30 minutes longer than it ever should have took place. For 30 minutes longer than he had any right into a son or a daughter's life. Any right to have his mind, our mind space taken up by his dirty, filthy lies that you should just quit, that you should just kill yourself, that you should just go because it would make somebody else's life better. Friends, if you're in here tonight and you've engaged in a conversation, you've entertained a conversation with the devil before, you got to know that he is a liar, that he comes from hell, and that's where he needs to go back. That fear and shame and guilt and all of these things, suicide, all of that, it has zero place in the lives of a Christian, zero place in the lives of a Jesus follower. And I'm not saying that as somebody up here who's high and mighty on their high horse because I've never struggled with it. I had a very real moment that scared me to my core where I actually engaged a 30-minute conversation where he spoke his lies with his split tongue and he said to me, Adrienne's life would be better because she would get the sympathy instead of the slander if you were gone. Entertainer. It's not the first time in my life that I've entertained a thought from the devil because entertaining a thought doesn't mean, friends, hear me out, entertaining a thought doesn't mean that you didn't engage it, that you didn't talk about it. Because people are going, oh, we don't entertain those thoughts, we don't entertain that. No, no, no. Entertaining means that you engage in the conversation. Doesn't mean that you succumb to it. Doesn't mean that you gave into it. Doesn't mean that you and I ever actually went through with the entertaining thought that we were having. It just means that we took more time than was allowed to the devil in our lives and we engaged with him in a conversation where it ultimately ended with him kill, stealing, and destroying. Entertainer. Friends, can I tell you tonight that you and I through the power of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus Christ went to the cross for, when he said, it's better that I go, that an advocate may come, he was saying, there's a Holy Spirit who is going to raise me from the dead, and he wants to go on to live on the inside of you, because you've got to have the power to pull out of those conversations. You've got to have the power to tell the devil back where to go. You've got to have a cross. You've got to have a blood over you. You've got to have some holes in my hands that say, I speak a louder and a greater word than any enemy could ever sprinkle into your ears. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? You've got to have it. Entertainer. It's a conversation with the devil that changed me to my core because I realized in that moment that I wasn't impervious as I thought I was. I thought I was bulletproof. I'm Matt McClure. I'm the man. Come on. The devil can't tell me nothing. 
And it was a moment that I actually had, and I engaged with him in a verbal sparring match, and it changed me to my core. But it made me realize one thing. When the devil tries to entertain you with a conversation, he tries to get you to engage in some culture war and something that's vogue right now. I mean, come on, the suicide rates right now are at an all-time high. Highest it's ever been in females, ever. The suicide rate is skyrocketing. Depression rate is skyrocketing for Christians and non-Christians alike. This is a global epidemic because there is an enemy who realizes Right now is a way in a more confusing and divided time in the world that he can come in and he can kill, steal, and destroy. This is who he is. But for the Christian, because we have the Holy Spirit, sometimes his goal ultimately isn't to kill us. Because we just sang it tonight, right? We said, I know, neither height nor depth, nor death nor life can separate us. We're quoting the book of Romans again. Neither height nor death nor depth nor life or death can separate us now. Once you have Jesus, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. But the devil knows this. That if he can get you to entertain the conversation, he can get you distracted. He doesn't have to defeat you if he can keep you distracted. He doesn't have to kill you if he can keep you caught up in the patterns of this world. He doesn't have to take you out if he can keep your mind fixed on other ways of thinking instead of being transformed by the renewing of it. He knows that he can keep you distracted. He can catch you slipping. He can keep you away from what God actually has for you that day. I don't know what would have happened in my day in those 30 minutes, what God had for me outside of that, but I do know that I will never know now because I chose to engage in verbal warfare with a person, an enemy, a serpent that has no business engaging in verbal warfare with a son or daughter of the Most High God. And that goes for you as much as it goes for me. I am not this high priest like Jesus. I'm a human being with my own setbacks, my own hurts, my own fractures, my own things going on, just like you and I are. But this is available to you and to me. You can do better than I did. You don't have to engage for 30 minutes. I'm telling you right now, that's why it's called a testimony. It's so that you can take what I've said and what I've gone through and you can run further after you've heard it because you know that when he comes, you hear that he's going to come for you. If he's coming for a pastor, he's definitely coming for you. And you know that you don't have to entertain that and he doesn't have any rights or any credit to come into your life and engage you in those kind of conversations. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can't kill and he can't destroy and he can't steal from you, he is going to distract you. He's going to steal your time. He's going to steal your attention when God could be using you and having you do things in somebody else's life and bringing somebody else into an encounter with Jesus, the kingdom of heaven. Friends, can I read to you another piece of scripture? Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It could be up on the big Bible. There it is. It's Paul once again. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Do you know what I love about that verse? Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Fear, fear isn't true. Whatever is honorable, 
he was pretty convincing in his argument, but whatever is honorable is not me sneaking out the back door, taking my own life so that my wife can experience sympathy from people she doesn't even need to have a relationship if that's how they're going to be. Honorable isn't leaving your wife or your spouse or your call or your responsibility or your church or your people or your family, what God has put you on this earth to do. Honorable isn't that. And this is a very touchy subject right now because nobody's heart breaks for those people more than Adrian and I who have either taken their own life or struggled with it. So hear me out right now. I am not saying they are an unhonorable person if you struggle with that. I'm saying simply this, that if you do what Paul is saying right now, that if you take a step back from that conversation with the enemy, you decide, I'm not going to verbalize, I'm not going to agree with, I am not going to confess these things into my life, because confession always precedes obedience, whether it's the God or the devil. Whatever you say, life and death are in the power of your tongues, our Bible says. Life and death is the power of your tongues. So confession always precedes obedience. So I can either speak what? Whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, I'm going to think about these things. I'm going to speak about these things. I'm going to put this out there because life and death are in the power of my tongues. But if there's... Anything that's despicable, anything that's heinous, anything that's horrendous, anything that's so low, we can also verbalize agreement with that. And it's in those moments where the devil tries to come for you and he tries to get you to entertain thoughts contrary to what Jesus says is best for your life. What God has put in his Bible that says is best for your life. Whenever that comes in, whenever there's something contrary to what God says is best for the human story, we must focus on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is excellence, whatever is worthy of praise. And do these things, our Bible says, do these things. Think about these things. Speak these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Is there anybody in here tonight that could use a little more peace in their life? doesn't have the right to your thought life. Those thoughts that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, that life would be better if you're not here. These things that I believe invade all of us because all of us have been there at some point in our lives where we were low and the devil came for our head. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your life. Jesus went to the cross and died so you don't have to. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me, our Bible says. He died and rose again so that we can have heaven on earth and we can have heaven after earth. This is what our Jesus did. So when the devil comes around when the enemy tries to sneak his way in, when there are voices in your lives that are speaking a word that is contrary to the word of God, what he says is best for Natalie's story, what he says is best for Zach's story, what he says is best for Bob's story, 
We're going to speak a louder word. We're going to speak a greater word. We're going to focus on what is praiseworthy. We're going to focus on what's just. And our confession is going to precede our obedience. And when we're obedient to what God says, blessings come down. Amen. Breakthrough comes. Amen. Walls fall down. Amen. Healing invades this space. Amen. That's what we're going to do. That's the kind of church that we are. We are not going to entertain for another moment anything contrary to what God says is best for our story. Because that is what he went to the cross for. And I love this. What you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. Paul loves his run out sentences. Practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. There's another scripture verse I want to get to. Is it 6.11 right now? It says 2 Corinthians 10.5. It's going to pop up on the big screen. Says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey God. I love that we destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to what? Obey Christ. Can somebody just say obey Christ one time like you believe it? We take every thought captive to obey Christ. I think that's really important because in those moments where we're entertaining thoughts, I think a lot of our times our rebuttal is whenever we're approached with that conversation, whenever uh, whomever it is, the enemy or somebody else, whenever they try to bring this to your front door and engage in this conversation with you, I think oftentimes it's, well, I don't believe that. And that's our argument. Oh, I don't believe that. See, the problem with saying, I don't believe that, is that that's not actually taking that thought and making it obey what Christ says. You're saying that you, as a mortal man or woman, doesn't believe that. The devil don't care what you believe. He cares about what Christ said. And so when Paul, in this verse, and he's saying to you and to me, we take every thought and we make it captive to obey Christ, he's not saying that we don't entertain it, we take it captive. We don't engage in it, we take it. We don't engage in it, we take it. Somebody say with me, we don't engage in it, we take it. Amen? Because we can't make it obey us. We can't make what the devil says obey us. Our word, our blood is not enough. His word, his blood, his Bible, his truth is a greater word, it's a louder word, and the devil has to go when Jesus comes in the room. Amen? I love that. He says we take it captive and we make it obey Christ. There is some forcefulness. People think Christians are weak. You ain't weak. You got a strong God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, my friends. Greater is he that's in you than is in that conversation, my friends. Greater is he that is in you than is in the shadows. Jesus Christ is greater. He empowers you to take every thought captive because it's a good thought, Paul, right? He's saying don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewal of the mouth. How do you renew your mind? You focus on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is just, whatever is excellence. You focus on these things and the God of peace will be with you. A lot of times we caught up in the patterns of this world because we don't have rhythms of peace. God is saying he has gone before us. He is with us. He is enduring all things with us. And he is empowering us to overcome any stronghold that can be thrown at us from the devil. Tonight, friends, he is saying that you can take these things and you can actually make them obey Christ. If you're in here tonight, and I don't know everybody's story in here. Some of us haven't even met yet. I'm excited to meet you. Like Scott said earlier, we're excited to meet you. Let's hang out after service. But I don't know everybody's story in here. 
but I do know that the human story is one of reconciliation. The human story is one where we have fallen, we are broken, we have hang-ups, and we have problems, and we have things that are going on. But Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again so that you and I do no, no longer have to be slave to those hang-ups and those problems and those breakups and the things that are going on the inside of us. You and I are no longer a slave to sin, no longer a slave to fear, no longer a slave to shame, guilt, or anything else under the sun. You and I are set free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so he is saying to you and to me tonight, how do you transform your mind? Friends, it starts with letting him put everything up on the table. You know, it kind of changes. This is kind of funny. It just kind of dawned on me, but there's a verse that says, you prepare a table for me in front of my enemies. Kind of changes the dynamic of that verse. Kind of changes the way you look at it a little bit when you think of how Christ wants everything to be up on the table, not for negotiation, but for him to take it away. He's saying in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of culture, in the presence of our world, in the presence of lies, in the presence of things going on, we put our past up on the table. We put what Fox News and CNN says on the table. We put what Twitter and Instagram and all these things that are so loud and in our face, we put those up on the table and we let Christ take away what is there. He prepares us a table in the midst of our enemies. Our enemy is going to sit there and he's going to get you trying to engage what is on that table. The things in your life that Christ is saying, hey, if you let me have this, if you hand this over to me right now, you don't have to not only entertain it, you no longer have to succumb to it. You don't even have to engage in the conversation. You let me take this from you and there can be freedom and there can be absolution and there can be hope for your future. But the devil is on the other side of that table and he wants to engage in that conversation with you. Why did he really say that? That you shouldn't be drunk? Because he says you shouldn't be drunk, but then he also says that you should be drunk in the spirit. So what's he mean, right? I mean, he said you shouldn't cover, covet your neighbor's wife, but at the same time, he also says David's a man after God's own heart. So I mean, like, what's he saying? Well, I mean, obviously he says suicide and taking your own life isn't what God's best for you would be, and so... But he also says, great is he that lays down his life for a friend. And if you weren't here, wouldn't it make somebody else's life better? See how he does it? You see how he sits at that table and he speaks death and he speaks nonsense and he speaks it and twists scripture just enough to go, yeah. I can't be the only person that's ever engaged in that conversation before. But friends, he is saying to you in midnight what Paul is saying, that we destroy arguments. We don't have them. We don't argue with the devil. We destroy his argument. We put down every lofty opinion. Anything that would choose to raise itself boisterous and bold against what God says, we put that down. We take that notion, that idea, and that culture, and we submit it to Christ. This isn't in my, this isn't in the big screen, but Romans 16, 20. Does anybody know this song? Remember when I was a young guy in youth ministry and got saved at 16 in this church? God bless them. They're a Baptist church, and they were awesome, and they're figuring things out, and I forgot what the name of the band was, but they had a band, and 
Uh, it was awesome. I loved it. It was so great. The first message I ever preached was at that church at 16 years old, and I was incredibly blessed by it. And they have a song that, I don't remember what it's called, but the chorus was, Romans 16, 19 says, they got it wrong because it's actually Romans 16, 20, but it sounded good. It sounded good. But it said, Romans 16, 19 says, and it says, the God of peace will crush Satan. The God of peace will crush him under his feet. And that stuck with me ever since. That was probably the first, besides John 3, 16, the first Bible verse that I ever learned because, man, there is so much hope in that verse. Romans 16, 20, there is a God and he is the God of peace. He is not of confusion or discord, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There is a God of peace. And that God of peace, your worship team, you can begin to make your way up here. He will crush the head of Satan. Entertainer. I'm really looking forward to the rest of this message series. I'm really looking forward to see what God does on Easter. I really want to encourage you to bring your friends and your family because nobody can turn down an invite to church on Easter because they feel bad. It's the only time that we use guilt in the church is Easter and Christmas. But there's a way that, that the church has done things for so long that leading up to Christmas and leading up to Easter, this is what you preach on, this is how you do it. And there's this formula I don't want to have a formulaic church. I don't want to have a formula on how to win in church. I want to have truth from the Bible that helps you win in life. And so an Easter series called Entertainer, talking about the things that Christians, that we have no business entertaining and engaging in conversation because we actually have truth while everybody else is fumbling around in the darkness full of lies. That's the whole point of Easter. That's the whole point of this time of the year. It's the whole point of Christmas. It's the whole point of the reason we celebrate what Jesus came to do in our lives is because we have a hope, we have a future, we have victory. And it begins when you and I decide that we are no longer going to entertain any argument that has come from the pits of hell or anything that decides to be contrarian to the Word of God. friends tonight, I want to invite you. Would you guys stand up? We're going to get ready to worship. We're about to go into this tremble song again. Tonight, I want to invite you. I want to invite you into the power, into the presence of the Most High God. I want to invite you into a greater truth. I want to invite you to leave here tonight feeling more equipped and able to take those thoughts in your head that are clearly not God's best for your life and submit them to obey Christ tonight. So just a moment, we're going to lift up the song that says, Your name is a light that the darkness can't deny. Jesus' name is a light that the darkness 
cannot, will not, never could, and never can deny or beat or overcome. There is a light, and his name is Jesus. Friends, I want to encourage you tonight that if you're in this place and you didn't understand the power that's on the inside of you as a Jesus follower, that you thought that your existence was still one of wandering through this earth the same as before you met Jesus, just a little bit more cleaned up. Friends, that is absolutely not true. There is greater things for you. There is greater things to come. And your best days are absolutely ahead of you. And they are your best days because you can take your worst moments and your hardest conversations and you can submit them and make them obey Christ. So friends, tonight we're going to lift up this word. We're going to lift up this worship. We're going to begin to sing, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. God, your name is a light that the darkness cannot deny. And if you're in this place tonight, and you don't know this Jesus, you've never heard any of this, maybe for you, you didn't understand that the reason we got together at church wasn't to make penance to God so that he would try and make some things work for you but that you actually have access to good days, that you actually have access to healing, that you actually have access to a clear, power, sound mind. If that's you tonight, with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, right now what Holy Spirit is doing in this room, is that this is the only conversation this week that is truly worthy of your time. This is the only conversation this week that is truly worth entertaining and considering and having a dialogue with. It is the conversation of whether you are going to leave here tonight knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. It means that when you submit your life to Him, He has your best in mind. That He does not take away anything from you that will not ultimately harm you and rob you and leave you blind. That when He asks you for things in this life, He will always hand you life in exchange for life and life more abundantly, our word says. Life and life to the full, life and life to the max. This is the only conversation right now that is worth entertaining and engaging in. So right now, where you are, if you feel something on the inside of you, you feel the Holy Spirit moving on the inside of you, if you're feeling something on the inside of you, you're not sure what it is, you can't even put a name on it, but if there's something that is leading you towards Jesus right now, would you just stick your hand up, just high enough and long enough so that I can see it, you can put it right back down, I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there any other hands in this place right now? I see that hand. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Is there anybody else in here right now? what I want to do is this. I want to pray over every single one of us. I want to equip us as we go and I want us right now to leave this place knowing that anything that comes into our ears, anything that enters our minds, anything that happens in our lives that is contrary to the word of God that you now from this moment forward those of you, the three of you that just raised your hands and gave your life fully over to God you now have a power, you now have the trump card you now have everything in your hand to say that that thought must bow, that thought must submit, that thought must go these things have to come and God in heaven has to invade your situation so I pray over these people right now Jesus I thank you for every single life in this place especially those that are coming home 
for the first time or the first time in a long time. Those that are truly submitting themselves, God, to you, to making you Lord and Savior, God, we are not interested and continuing to need you to save us every single week. We want a Lord that is going to direct our steps, God. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, but thank you for steering our lives. Thank you for planning our path, and thank you, God, for a greater word and a greater heaven and a greater reality that comes from the name of Jesus right now. God, we speak faith, and we speak boldness over every single person in this room, God. We put everything on the table, and we say, God, your word is non-negotiable. God, your heart is non-movable. God, we just thank you for what you're going to do, Holy Spirit, in and through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, Bill Church says,